Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. All right, welcome to the 23rd episode of the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. Today we are getting targeted and we are going to talk about how you can break into a career in coding. So, how can you acquire the skill set? What are some common mistakes made at the beginning? How can you actually land that job after you've learned how to code? Maybe you're not even sure if this industry is right for you and you need help making that decision. This episode is perfect for you. Man, there is no one who I'd rather have as our guest today other than Matt Landers, the CEO of Covalence, an online bootcamp. Matt began his career in coding with a 10-year run at Microsoft in various technical roles. After Microsoft, Matt left to start his own company called PlatyPie. Eventually, in 2015, Matt founded Covalence to help other people launch their coding careers. I actually know so much about Covalence because Let's Eat Grandma has been helping them to redevelop their resumes so they can increase their job search success. You guys, Matt has an amazing career in this field, and people pay him the big bucks so they can learn how to code. And you're going to learn from him on how you can get there in your careers. Without further ado, here's Matt Landers with Breaking Into a Career in Coding. Matt, how are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing great here. I'm just glad to be with you today. And I'm really excited to kind of launch into this episode because I think there are so many people who are genuinely interested in this field. Um, and it's incredibly hot right now. It has been. Yeah. So it's going to be great. No, there's a lot of opportunity in development. Um, just in the tech industry in general, you know, yeah. not just coding. But I mean, there's a lot of jobs that can come along with that. So we can get into that. And so I kind of want to hear from you kind of your journey into this experience. And, you know, I've read your articles and I'm just incredibly intrigued by your background and your story. But how did you launch into a career yourself into coding? Yeah, so uh, I didn't really start coding until I got out of high school. Uh, I got a job. I was I liked computers. I knew I wanted to do something with computers. Went into, you know, got into college, thought I would get my computer science degree uh, and then, you know, try to get a job after that. But I got a job as a PC tech support guy at like a law firm, and I would just fix printers, change out hard drives whenever they went bad, that kind of stuff. Uh, but I sat next to the developers, and to me, coding was like this black box. Like I didn't know anything about development, yeah. and I just thought it was magic, like wizardry back there. <laughs> um, so... I would just peek over their shoulders. You know, I'm a 17, 18-year-old kid just peeking over their shoulders, and I started to kind of pick up on some things. And one of the programmers realized that I was kind of picking up on it because I would ask him questions, which looking back now, looking over his shoulder as this kid, as he's coding, is like not the easiest thing as a developer to deal with. So he was a really nice guy. <laughs> was he like, what are you doing? What are you, what are you looking at? No, he was an older guy, and he really just kind of liked it, I guess, that I was curious. And nice. he would answer my questions and stuff. And I think everybody needs somebody like that, right, to kind of just help them along the way. Well, I started to sort of pick up on it, so I ended up just picking up a book. This is the late 90s. Uh, I like a physical book. Uh, Learn Visual Basic in 21 Days. I went through that book at my desk while I was working uh, and my boss who was also a developer and the manager of all the developers saw me coding this thing and said I didn't know you could code and I said well like couldn't until like a couple weeks ago <laughs> when I picked up this book uh, and he 
said he was having an issue in his program and that if I fixed it, he'd make me a developer. Well, I, I fixed it that day and uh, the rest is history. That's awesome. That's incredible. And, and so how did you launch into your career at Microsoft? Like, was it easy or I imagine it wouldn't be? Uh, it was fortuitous, I guess. I mean, I was, I had my resume on a job board site, dice.com, which is one of the OG job boards. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that name was it, but I just got this, um, call from a Microsoft recruiter. Uh, I didn't apply or anything like that. They called me and said, Hey, how would you like to work for Microsoft? I said, okay. <laughs> I mean, That's yeah, nice. I always wanted to work there. I mean, at this time, you know, there was no Facebook, Google, you know, it was Microsoft. That was it. Like they were the top dog. Yeah. So that's where I always wanted to work. I figured I'd be 40 years old and have all this experience and get work for Microsoft. Um, but they asked me if I wanted to work there and I said, well, I don't have a degree. Is that okay? And the recruiter said, well, Bill doesn't either. So that's fine. <laughs> so yeah. Bill Gates dropped out of Harvard. I was like, well, it's not quite like that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I forgot what, what company it was, but they, they finally lifted their um, requirement to have college degrees. It, it may be Microsoft and, or maybe Apple. As well. It was Apple and Google made like an official announcement, but yeah. oh, they hire a lot of those people anyways. They're, they're hi they've been hiring people that just have experience for a long time. Sure. Uh, so yeah, the degree in this field is very... I, I mean, most of the people that I know that have a degree in code don't even have a degree in computer science. It'll be like... English or something. <laughs> they just ended up having this passion for coding and figuring it out. So. For sure. And that's a perfect segue into my first kind of question here. It's, it's who is somebody who should be in tech or, you know, learn how to code versus I want to know who's somebody who, who should really not be in this field. Right. I think that let's start with who shouldn't be in the field. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just if you're the Probably. kind of, <laughs> do I? Probably be. <laughs> no, I think that it's just the, the kind of person that if you don't like to learn, then tech is not the right field for you. You know, if you're going to go to school and be an accountant, uh, accounting is not going to change that much over the next hundred years, right? right? Accounting is accounting. We have their standard ways that you have to do it. Uh, the software you use might change, but I mean, the principles around accounting are not going to change. Uh, software changes incredibly fast. All of tech, Right. Um, so you have to love to learn to, you have to love to learn just in general, because yeah. you're always having to keep up with the latest technologies, latest skills. So if you love that, if you innately have this curious mind, then you're probably going to be okay. Uh, because if you like to learn, then you also realize that there's challenges to learning too, right? Sure. Uh, some things are hard to learn. Uh, and if you enjoy getting over those humps and the satisfaction that you get whenever you get something, like if you love to just get it. And get over that that's why i think gamers are really good at being developers because they pick up a new game and there's a challenge that they have to overcome in order to beat that game right coding is a lot like that you're always hit with these challenges that you're trying to overcome and get to the next boss what bug a bug is a boss right <laughs> yeah. what does this boss fight give me yeah that's amazing and and also very powerful you're actually the second guest back to back who's used gaming as an analogy oh, yeah. and something in their careers because yeah we had um, Bob Brunson our last person from sales saying like it's it's incredibly powerful because you do want that challenge it's somebody who wants to you know overcome a challenge and you don't want it to be easy and you are somebody who's who's curious so um, I think that's absolutely incredible so 
Yeah, I wouldn't have been in computers without gaming anyways. I mean, you're also around technology when you're a gamer. So you're used to buying new equipment, getting new games, upgrading your hardware, that kind of stuff, especially PC gamers. Beautiful. So how do you take that first step in learning how to code? And this is maybe the million dollar question here, but what's the best way to learn how to code? I think the best way to get started and find out if you're going to like it is to do one of the many, many free resources out there. Uh, there's Code Academy that has some free stuff. There's Free Code Camp. Um, so many different resources uh, that you can go through for free. Mm-hmm. And that'll give you an idea if you enjoy the concepts, if you enjoy kind of the hurdles that you go over. Now, a lot of these free tools make it really easy for you to learn. So you can kind of be lured into thinking, oh my God, I really get this. It's so easy. <laughs> but that's not really the case, but at least you can kind of get an idea of what it is. Yeah. Like when I started out coding, I didn't even really know what that meant. I'm like, did I have to learn like literally a new language? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, was it going to be as hard as that? Uh, and I think that you need to get some exposure, learn a little bit about what it is, kind of where you're not just in this black box, um, kind of open that veil for you. And then see if you like it. And then if you're like, wow, I really like this, you find yourself just going through these little uh, free things online uh, and you want to take that next step, then you got to decide, do you want to go to, you know, you want to get a computer science degree? Do you want to just keep learning on your own? You can 100% learn on your own. I did. Um, But, you know, it's a huge learning curve to do on your own, especially now with the number of uh, technologies and languages and platforms and everything out there. How do you decide what to do, right? Yeah. I have that. That's a big problem with a lot of our students. Yeah. They come in and they're like, well, I tried Python. I tried Java. I tried uh, Ruby. I did all of these things. And I'm like, well, that's not helping you, right? All of those things are very, very similar because they're all languages. Sure. Uh, well, you really just need to pick one and go for it. So if you're going to learn on your own, that's what I tell people. Stop listening to your developer friends and all these people giving you all this advice and pick a language and a platform and just learn it. If you can learn one, going from one to the other is pretty easy. Uh, it's kind of like what I tell people. It's not quite this easy, but like if you learn to ride a bike on a Trek, you can go ride a BMX, you can go ride a Giant. You know, It doesn't matter what bike after that. You can just get on another bike. They have pedals, they have wheels, they have handlebars. Coding is the same way. They have variables, loops, conditional statements. All the languages are the same. They're just a little bit different syntax. So it's almost like that first hurdle in learning that that first language. And then after that, it gets significantly easier is what you're saying. Yes, 100%. Like, uh, if their new language came out today, I could probably write an entire app in it today. Cool. I like, love that. That's <laughs> just because it's the same thing. It can't change that much. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> the Really, the hard part more is learning all the different frameworks and platforms that are out there. Learning the language itself isn't really that difficult. And so let's talk about, or first of all, I think let's, let's be realistic. How long do you think it will take for me to have just at least that foundational beginner level understanding of one code or one programming language? It's going to depend on the way you go about it, right? I mean, it's all about time that you put in. One of my analogies is, you know, if you want to learn how to play the guitar, you could go watch YouTube videos, you could read books, you can learn music theory. There's a lot of things that you could do to try to learn the guitar. Uh, and you could do all of these things and then have like the most incredible understanding about playing a guitar in your mind. But if you go over and you pick up a guitar and it's your first time, even though you know all these things, you're going to be really bad at it. 
<laughs> like you know everything about playing the guitar, but you're so terrible at it <laughs> because you just have to pick the damn thing up and play it, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you just have to play the guitar. Yeah. Coding is the same way. You can learn everything, think you know everything, but sure. until you code and you put pen to paper, so to speak, you're not going to be able to code. Like, it's, yeah. it's just a matter of doing it. It's the practice. Okay. And so picking up like projects on your own or saying, hey, this is a project or, or an app that I'd like to develop and I'm going to go out there and actually do it. Yeah, I would say pick something that you want to code and hopefully it's been done before. Like, Don't try to do something nobody's done. Just something really, really simple. And then start to figure out how do I do this? What are the things that I'm going to have to learn to accomplish this goal? Like anything else. Like if you're going to, you know, cook something, you got to know what ingredients do I need? How do I, how hot does it have to be? Like, those are the kind of things you got to figure out for coding. What uh, framework should I use? If you're going to write a mobile app, are you going to do iOS or Android? Like, that's going to guide you in the direction that you need to go on what you need to learn. Beautiful. And any books you'd recommend to supplement the learning journey? And I know you, re- you you talked about a few in your article here, but I'd like to see kind of like what's what's the number one book you'd recommend kind of if I'm starting out? So. I honestly wouldn't recommend a book. No books. Uh, no books. Just because there's so much information out there on the internet already. I mean, there's good YouTube videos. I've, we have a free YouTube channel at Covalence where you could start. We have a lot of intro material there. You can do a free trial with us too, and it's free um, to come try there. Uh, there's, I would just use the resources that are out there. I w- a book is, I don't know, for coding, it changes so often that it's hard for me to recommend a book because somebody sure. could listen to this next year and it's just totally irrelevant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was my concern with this podcast is like, I want to ask all the right questions here and I, I don't want to, to ask, we call like uh, the, the topical questions. I want to make it evergreen here. So yeah, and that, that's why I say too to people is like, choose a language and learn it because that's evergreen. Like. Just pick one. It doesn't matter what's hot today, tomorrow, whatever. Just pick one and learn it. And learn it. Absolutely. So, um, and I will ask this this question for, for right now, I guess, because I think there are, I'm sure there must be, you know, languages that have been consistently used through a bunch of companies right here. But um, at least for now, what programming languages do you think that are going to be relevant for a long time? Uh, I don't see JavaScript going anywhere. So right now... The only language that the browser understands, so if you're going to write a website, web app, whatever, you have to write it in JavaScript. I mean, you could do, there are languages that compile down to JavaScript, but I'm not going to get into that technical. (laughs) But JavaScript is by far the best language to start out with, in my opinion. Okay. Because you can use it to write your website on the front end. So the front end is the code that a user interacts with, so what they see. And then you also can now use JavaScript on the back end. So like your application programming interfaces, your APIs, which talk to your database. It used to be you had to use a different language on the back end when you're writing a website or a web app. Uh, So like Java or Ruby or something like that. And then on the front end, you had to do JavaScript. So if you're just learning to code, in my opinion, JavaScript is the best language because you only have to learn that one language and you can build the entire application with it. Whereas if you say, I want to build... I want to learn Ruby. Well, you're still going to have to learn JavaScript too. Right. And so that's this extra complexity you're putting on top of learning Mm -hmm. that I just don't think is necessary. You should, if you can just pick one language and learn it for the whole stack, then you can go back and forth between the others after you've kind of get it. 
And I like that because I think a lot of the times when people are starting out, they get so overwhelmed. They're, I mean, I'm just thinking right now, it's like if I were to start learning coding tomorrow, like I wouldn't even honestly know where to start. But I mean, the fact that you said just like pick one and use that as the foundation and add on to it because it gets easier. I think that's a good mentality to have and um, definitely good. I like your guitar analogy because I actually played guitar. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not that easy. Um, it's, it's, I learned when I was 10, my fingers were very tiny and small, so hopefully it's easier for adults, but yeah. Yeah. You can't just read a book and start playing guitar. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. No. Cool. What is the biggest mistake that someone can make when they are just starting off in their coding careers? Uh, well, the one is switching between all these languages. So they'll get started, they'll learn a little bit of Python or something, then they'll talk to one of their developer friends and they're like, oh my God, you're learning Python? Don't do that. Because developers are very opinionated. Yeah. So, I, was, <laughs> I was on Quora yesterday and there were all like a whole bunch of comments and like, I was like, I was like, man, I didn't, don't want to get in there. Like it's, oh, yeah. it's very intimidating. Yes. They're, they're all like elitist gods, right? <laughs> <laughs> they all think they're incredible at what they do and that they know everything yeah. and that there's only one way to do things yeah. their way. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, so, it's so true. So I would say like filter all of them out. And ask them very specific questions, not high-level questions about what should I learn next. Like, just yeah. pick something. It doesn't like pick JavaScript just because it's going to be the easiest for you to go back and forth in. Um, unless you have something that, in, that you're wanting to build that requires you to use a different language. That and then there's this huge movement with developers out there to not pay for your education because there is so much free stuff out there. And I think a lot of people really take it to the heart and they start trying to learn for free. So we have a lot of people coming to the course that have been trying to learn to code for like two years. So much time they've wasted. People don't realize that time actually is money, right? Yeah. If I can go through covalence, get a job within six months after, and that's less than a year of your time, then that extra year somebody else spent, that's a real salary that somebody could have been making. Yeah, exactly. And that's money that you paid. You yeah. paid that. Like whether you think that you wrote a check or not, for some reason there's like a different concept in people's minds about what money is and the opportunity cost is true in this right so getting somebody to help you i think is important if you have that support system around you like you truly have a mentor developer that's going to sit with you day in and day out when you have issues then you might not need to go to a coding boot camp or something but most people need help and i think the biggest problem that they have is they don't go get help they keep trying to search for it online or something like that yeah uh and even when you're doing these tutorials and things that are online, there's going to be things you just don't get. Like, you don't understand it. Like, yeah, I did it. I put the things in. It, it worked, but I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's really where you need a mentor. And that's what we're all about. I tell people all the time, we're not selling a curriculum. We're selling mentors. Yeah. We're selling the help that you get. And unfortunately, I can't make that free. People have salaries. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I would love to. Yeah. And it's almost like that support system because you you really got to make sure, and this has been an overall theme, I think, of the podcast, but like not getting kind of bogged down and, and uh, sitting behind your computer all day kind of um, in isolation, I think. Right. It's not good for your mental health. It's not good for learning. It's just like this is the way humans work. So I think the fact that you have something going on right now, it's almost like that support system. It's like we're all in this together and we're all we all have the same objective. It's to learn and then get that first job. Yeah. So. And there's another big problem that people run into if they don't have that. And that is that um, coding, learning to code is hard. 
Like, it's not easy. Anybody who tells you it's easy, unless you've got a good background in engineering, then learning the, or you're really good at very advanced math, then you're, and I'm not saying that there's a lot of math in coding. I'm just saying that the learning, knowing those concepts makes it easier for you. Right. Uh, then it's going to be really hard. You're going to struggle and you're going to hit these points to where you just put it down for a while because it's just hard. Like, yeah. And you got other yeah, things you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> I want to have fun too, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, and when you put it down, you lose so much in that gap, yeah. right? Like the, all the progress you had made kind of just goes away and you're starting from two steps back the next time that you pick it back up. Yeah. And that's, that's why the support system is so, so important yeah. just to keep you going, like help you get over those hurdles. I mean, sometimes I tell people that we're really a lot of times therapists because <laughs> students are just ready to give up. They're crying, they're whatever. Uh, and we just got to talk them down and say, hey, look, this is hard, but you're getting it. You're learning more than you actually think that you're learning through yeah. this process. And then we kind of help them just keep moving. Yeah, so. that's beautiful. And I'm wondering if you could, uh, if you'd be willing to share some possible frustrations you've had when you were kind of learning to code yourself. And on the other side, any um, triumphs or success stories when you were kind of in that beginning to possibly give people some some encouragement here. Yeah, when I was learning to code, it was a lot harder. There was no, there wasn't a lot of resources on the internet. The internet was brand new. So I had a lot of frustrations, but I loved it. I don't know. Like it was never for me, it was never really that hard just because I loved it so much. Um, I think that it's different for different people. Um, I picked it up really, really fast too. Like it's very unusual. It literally within three weeks, me picking up a book, I was coding professionally that's cool man so that that's, that is insane. not that's not normal like that's not i don't want to it's set like, anyone up for that expectation you could work for microsoft no, it's like three it just weeks. takes three weeks man what? that's crazy uh, i don't need coding boot camp i can just be in microsoft no we don't want to we don't want to encourage that thinking here but no. it's it's tough yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. very it's very difficult but you know you're gonna run into challenges just it's very confusing at first it's kind of like I don't know if you did math and you when you first did algebra and you have this like these variables in your equation and you're like what in the hell are is it x y in this thing <laughs> like, these aren't numbers math is numbers yeah. I don't know if you can think that far back to when you learned that but it's pure logic and there are variables so you you have something like a variable holds a value for something else just like in an algebra problem x stands for something it's holding a value you just don't know what it is yet you're trying to figure it out so those concepts are very similar. Uh, and, and I was always really good at math growing up. So. I was, um, I think, algebra. Actually, no, I peaked at algebra, too. After that, <laughs> after that I, I didn't do that well. So um, cool. And I really, this next question should really set people up who are excited to really get out there and start making that money. But um, so my question is this. So I just went through a coding boot camp and learned how to code. This is hypothetical. I really need to get that job. What should be the first step I take in getting that job? Well, first you need to work on your resume, cover letter, and LinkedIn profile with Let's Eat Grandma. <laughs> but that, that truly is what we have our students do. Because the resumes are different for technical jobs than they are for other jobs. I mean, you have skills that you want to put on your resume. Uh, you might want to put projects that you've done, not necessarily jobs you've worked in. Um, because that's very relevant to an employer, especially when you're first getting started out. Right. So there's that. And then 
you know, people fall into this trap of find a job online, apply for it, find a job online, apply for it. And that just doesn't, there's so many people applying for these jobs that you really got to take another step. Yeah. It's, it's hard because, um, I, we talk about this in the podcast, but it's that with these applicant tracking systems, it's almost like that sea of other applicants you're competing against. And if your resume doesn't have, um, just the appropriate keywords or things like that, you know, you're going to get drowned out. Your resume is not going to get looked at. So, um, I think it's, it's tough. And I do think people get discouraged and I've worked with job seekers before who said they've literally sent out hundreds and hundreds of applications and gotten very limited interviews and callbacks. So, Oh yeah. Uh-huh. We've had people send out a hundred and not even get callbacks. And then they think it has something to do with them. them. Yeah. yeah, And it's like, this has nothing to do with you. It's literally a resume problem. If you're not, if you're, or you're applying to the wrong jobs. Um, but if you're applying to jobs and always calling you back, they don't know who you are. (laughs) Right. So you can't, people take it personally, I think when they don't get a call back, but more than likely a human never even saw your resume. True. So don't take it personally, but you do need to just take another step because so many people are applying. Yeah. So reach out to somebody on LinkedIn, go to some networking meetings, you know, all of the things that you guys probably talk about on other podcasts, you got to do here is for sure. Uh, but the good thing about the industry is that there's so many jobs available. There's a huge gap um, right now. There's not enough developers to fill the positions. Uh, so it is a bit easier in some respects. Um, but the first job that you get to break into the industry is going to be the hardest one. Because you're competing with the largest pool of applicants. As you get a year of experience, you've narrowed that pool down to people that have a year experience. So you've weeded out all these people, right? Uh, So really just getting that first job, whatever it is, an internship, anything that you can put on your resume as a job, uh, hopefully they pay you. Uh, (laughs) Be doing something while you're not working. Yeah. I love that. We had um, Al Robinette come in two episodes ago and he, he vouches so much for this, this concept of, you know, getting the experience, even if it's unpaid, it's still very relevant and it's incredibly important to make sure you're adding that value to your resume so other people can see that value. And what's awesome about coding is that there should be no time where you're not doing anything because it's not like, um, I mean, just picking obviously not good example here, but like being a doctor, like you can't just go operate on people or do things to people. <laughs> Coding, though, you can sit down and build a project. That project is a work product that you can show off to employers. So you should always be coding whenever you're looking for a job. ABC, always be coding. Always I love it. Coding. So that's healthy. <laughs> I it all the time. That's great. And uh, I guess just pushing into this just a little bit further, because I want to make sure we get um, these frustrated people in there. But like, what are... What do you think are some best practices that you've seen with people who have been able to really get out and get that first job versus the people who aren't um, aren't getting really that success? Yeah, this one is interesting. It's me frustrating for some people, but the people who get the job the fastest aren't necessarily the people who are the best coder. They almost never aren't. In fact, it's it just shocks people after they'll be like, these three people were the best in my class. And they might be the last people to get the job because getting a job, getting your first job as a developer has less to do about what you know as a developer and more to do about um, can you learn fast. So if you go through a boot camp, you've proven to an employer that you can learn really quickly and get up to speed fast. And when they're hiring a junior level developer, 
that's really what they're looking for. They don't expect you to come in and be able to just start cranking out code. Like you, they know that you're new to this. <laughs> they expect for you to have to learn from them, learn their systems, how they code. No matter where you go, you have to learn how that business codes. There's a lot of processes involved in how they do things that you're going to have to learn no matter how experienced you are. Uh, so really the technical piece isn't what's going to get you the job is really going to be your soft skills. Are you a good culture fit? Can you communicate with the team? Are they going to want to work with you? Cause they know they're going to have to sink time into you. So do they, do they, do they like you? <laughs> like you don't want those things to be what are determined what, if you get a job or not, but they're very, very important for junior devs. I actually, this is total mind blown right now because whenever I've thought of, of uh, people getting the entry level job, my only, my only thought is like, oh, it's all about the hard skills. It's all about, you know, what programming languages do you know? What are your competencies that are very um, hard skill based? But the fact that you, you mentioned that I think is going to get a lot of people to kind of change their thinking. And yeah, the, the people who have come through and they are, were in sales always get a job that first. Was, yeah. They get a job first because they can it. sell themselves. Yeah. And they got if they got through the boot, boot camp and got the certificate, then they obviously learned how to code as well. Yeah. And a lot of being a developer is team communication. Mm-hmm. You're probably not going to be on a team by yourself. And if you're a junior dev, you definitely won't be. Okay. So can you communicate with other people? Can you work with the business side too? Because you got to think, you're coding, you're building something. It's technical what you're doing, but you're building it for a user. Can you talk to that user? Can you understand their needs? Can you understand how to translate that into what you need to build? That's so incredibly important. So the soft skills, I think, are becoming even more important with sure. time. So. And, and what are ways that people can show or demonstrate that they have those soft skills? Is it just during the interview? Because resumes, it's, it's tough to show those things. <clears throat> it's just the interview, yeah. yeah. Like the, your resume needs to be get you to the interview, yeah. and then you need to win the job basically, yeah. with your dashing personality. Yeah. I, <laughs> like, I don't think that it means that you have to be this like, really charismatic person, but a lot of people who are really good at coding have very poor social skills. Like They get into an interview, and they just they, some of them just can't even speak. Like They're that... It's that like debilitating to them. Okay. Those people have a really hard time and they will have to continue to get better at coding so that the employer can get over that and be like, this guy's just so good that we can make do with the, with the social interaction. Yeah, so, the interaction. So are you on this podcast advocating for coders with less than par social skills to work on the social skills? Absolutely, yes. Whatever you can do to get you that anxiety to go away. And just so that everyone knows, I'm on this podcast, I'm talking a lot right now, but growing up, I was incredibly introverted. I could not talk to a new person. like It was debilitating for me. But if you practice it and you do it, you go to these networking events, force yourself to talk to somebody, it will get better. I promise you. Yeah. <laughs> like I had that same problem. Yeah. And when I went to college, I didn't meet a single soul. Like when I went to my classes, because I was so scared to talk to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't. I don't have a single college friend that I can oh even. I wouldn't even know their name right now, just because yeah. that's how bad it was for me. Yeah. I went in, did my work, left, 
<laughs> went, yeah. went back to trying to learn how to code. So. Yeah. And so like over time, like you have been able, and it's just really amazing. Cause like, I, I personally know Matt, he's, he's the CEO of Covalence. He's leading the, these webinars. He's on this podcast right now. And he's, he's very much like this personality that I'm kind of drawn to. And I, I think it's just incredible that you kind of came from, you know, that background and were able to like, that's encouraging for me. It's like, what is kind of the limit, baby, you know? So. Well, yeah. So when I went, my first job at Microsoft was to, I wasn't coding anything there. I was giving presentations to Fortune 500 companies about .NET, which was the next programming language they had or platform they had coming out. So I had to get in front of people. That was my job on a weekly basis and give a three hour long presentation on .NET. And that kind of broke me, I think. <laughs> I was scared to death. Yeah. Yeah. Like jumping into that, that deep end of the pool, or as we call it, the cold, jumping into that cold water and getting that shock. And then yeah, I think getting there. My first one really got me over it. I went to RJ Reynolds, which is a cigarette company. And uh, it was to give a presentation on SQL Server. And I walk in, and it's just like a cloud of smoke and donuts. Because <laughs> they were all smoking in the room. I, and I hate that. Like, I was coughing. I'm like, but it kind of just, so it just kind of broke the ice of like, just get up there and just talk. It's fine. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful, Matt. So I'll ask about covalence in a little bit um, because I think it's something that everyone needs to hear who's listening to this podcast right now. Uh, but first, I want to get any final words of advice for people who are wanting to break into a career in tech. Uh, just find your passion in it. Like really, when I talk to, make sure it's something you are passionate about, I think. Uh, when I, I've never hired a computer science uh, major, like right out of college, because whenever I ask them, hey, what have you been coding? They always have these, oh, I've been coding this and this course and this and this course. But they can never tell me this project that they were coding for themselves. Like, you got to want to build something for yourself. There's got to be an app or a website or something that you want to do that you just wish you had those skills so that you could do it. Yeah. You need that to get you, to, can, to get you like, over those humps. You, know? sure. you really just got to want to do it. So, I mean, that would be my, my biggest thing. Just, if you have a passion for it, you love tech, you love fixing things, you love taking things apart, it's probably going to be a really great career for you. Absolutely beautiful, Matt. You've been a fantastic guest, and I really appreciate you coming in today to do this podcast. So I just want to know a little bit more about Covalence. How can people sign up? And, and really, what am I going to get into when I, when I engage in this, this online boot camp? Yeah, so our boot camp is a good bit different than other ones that are out there. So we started out doing in-person boot camps. We had classrooms. So we know how to put on like a course, like a real course in front of where you come in every day. But we just found that that was the flexibility of having to be there nine to five every day. Uh, like if you got sick, you couldn't catch up because there was no way to catch up unless an instructor is going to sit with you one on one, which if there's a bunch of people in the class, that's really difficult to do. Right. Uh, or if you needed to be out um, for a week, you had vacation, like it's really difficult to plan your life around that. Uh, so that's what really drove me to take it online. And so we could reach more people. And, but we've taken all those experience of how people learn well in person and try to translate that online, online and give you the flexibility. It's 100% online. There's two options. You can do full-time, which is 12 weeks, or you can do part-time, which is six months. Um, every day we do five live webinars. So everything I'm going to tell you right now is about how we interact with you and how you get access to us. 
because the curriculum anybody can tell you we have the best curriculum in the world like it's there's so much free curriculum out there it's not curriculum you're not buying curriculum right you're buying access to mentors that want to help you and love to help you so that's what we do we have five live webinars every day throughout the day each one has a different topic so it might be front end back end database whatever wherever you're at in the course you join that webinar uh, and then you can ask questions whatever you have um, whatever you want to know about that topic and everybody can join on okay. um, so if you're part-time and you have a job during the day you can't join that webinar probably so you can submit your questions the night before and then the webinars are all recorded and then they're made available for you to listen to later but and then if you're in the full-time program you meet with your instructor every day whenever you need them you basically ping them and say hey i need help yeah. <laughs> uh, and we have like a live chat thing a lot of people just get help through the chat um, which we're all in there answering questions all the time uh, and then if you're a molecular student which is our part-time so we have catalyst is our full-time molecular is our part-time if you're a molecular student you uh, schedule a one-on-one -on -one session with your instructor once per week so it'll be an hour-long nice. session you connect you share your screens you look at code together ask questions just making sure that you're progressing that you're understanding and you're moving forward so a lot of it is us looking at you and saying hmm it doesn't seem like you understand this let's dive in a little deeper so that you can because this is a foundational block that you're going to need later like you really need to get it now right we're looking out for you and making sure that you're progressing and that you're not going to get stuck or hit a wall or something sure <clears throat> and and um my kind of question here is like you talk about projects and and things like that that are really good to add to your resume and are are there any specific projects that you'll be working in and are they going to be like self-driven yeah the, the whole course is projects essentially there's labs so you'll watch a few lectures you'll see my face a lot and uh, <laughs> then you'll do a lab and most of the time what you're doing during the day is coding because like i said about the guitar now analogy there's no substitute for coding there's no substitute for playing the guitar like you, you have to be immersive like, there's no other way to do it like, and that's what um is frustrating about computer science degrees is that there's very little coding and a lot of theory so people come out and they're not very good at coding we're here to make you a good coder which is what's going to get you employed um and and you can't do that without just coding all the time so you're coding every day i mean day one you're coding javascript so it's it's very fast paced, um, but that's why we're there to help you to move you through the course at the right tempo. Excellent, cool, Matt. Anything else you want to say about covalence? Uh, no, I mean we're just continuing to try to innovate on how we have high touch points with students um, and just finding new ways to interact with our students because it's really all about us transferring our knowledge to you and you know. That hands-on approach we think is really important to it. So if you're going to go out and get a boot, go to a boot camp, um, make sure that you're you know how they interact with you because that's what's really going to help you get over these these hurdles. Like how much time do you get to spend with the team, with the instructors? It's really, really important. And all of our instructors are full-time employees, which I think is really important. Uh, most boot camps use contractors, so they're developers full-time, but then they teach on the side, and I think that's that's not the best way to go about it because there's unique things that we've learned about how people learn and the problems they run into. And when you have somebody who wants it to be their full-time job to teach, there's just a different level of commitment 
yeah. to you, right? Well, if it's their side thing, their side hustle that they're doing, I'm just doing this teaching thing, making a little extra bucks on the side, but I'm really a developer, uh, then you don't get the same level of support from those people. Cool. And I can personally vouch for covalence here. I even uh, hopped on a webinar earlier to kind of check it out and, and go say hi to some of the students and talk about resume services. And it really does look like a truly beautiful program. And uh, their website is beautiful. So what I'm gonna do is I will drop a link to covalence at the description here for this podcast. So whether you're on Spotify, iTunes, whatever it is, you will have that link there. So Matt, I just want to say thanks again for coming in today for this episode. Uh, you have been an incredible guest, and I think we've really opened opened the eyes of a lot of people who may not have been sure about um, learning this path in coding. So um, I think by the end of this episode, you should have somewhat of an idea of this. And if not, you know, do do like what Matt suggested, which is go you know go check out some YouTube tutorials. Go you know check out some of those free resources to kind of. Stick your head in there and see if you are interested. So um, I think that is what everyone should do. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excellent. So that concludes the 23rd episode of the Let's See Grandma Career Warrior podcast. I am so grateful for every single one of you. And make sure you hit that subscribe button if you have not already, because we have a lot of really amazing content. And who knows, Matt may be on. If you like Matt, then make sure to subscribe because he will be coming on in the future. So this wraps it up and everyone please enjoy the rest of your day.